Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the mailbag edition of the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com podcast. Glad to have you along with us on this New Year's Eve. Happy New Year's to everyone with Rob Lewis and Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubbs. Don't forget, as we roll into the month of January, our friends at Blue Water Climate Control have a special deal going on, special incentives right now uh, for a lot of things. You've got um, their, their service plan, their tune-up special is available, but they also have a great deal going on right now on these ductless single zone split units that they have. And again, I've talked about these. My mom has one and uh, it's a fantastic unit for small space. It's perfect for a bonus room or uh, a cabin, uh, some kind of rental property, a shop that you might have converted garage, anything like that, where the room maybe is a little uncomfortable. This is a great opportunity to put this little unit in. It will service you and will heat and cool that room the way that you want. Uh, and it's uh, a great opportunity right now to check them out. You can get more details at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com or give them a buzz at 865-299-2290. That's Blue Water Climate Control. Guys, plenty of questions, as you would expect in the Mailbag Podcast, as we get every week. So we'll dive right into them here, and we'll start with uh, Birdie Man. And he wants to know, hey, I'm a, I'm a bit raw, but do alumni and fans even matter at Tennessee? How can our leadership objectively compare Tennessee with its traditional rivals and peers and even feel the slightest bit comfortable about our football leadership? You know, I, I don't think it's a situation where uh, the, the university doesn't care. I think that's crazy. I, I know for a fact Randy Boyd has repeatedly said that football is basically the front porch, you know, and that if you're going to grow your university, football in the South has to be successful. So I don't think it's a situation at all where they don't, um, that, that they don't care. Um, you know, I think Philip Fulmer's looking at this and saying that Jeremy Pruitt needs another year. And, and I think he's been very committed to that all season long, Rob. Well, I mean, how do you look at the assistant coach's salary pool and, and just blithely say, this is, this, this, you know, these guys don't care. I mean, that, that, that's ridiculous. When you look at the, at the money that they are throwing at us. I mean, what they, this had an offensive line coach that was making 800 grand. Am I wrong? I mean, forget about the offensive coordinator making one point six million. The, I mean, the dollars that, that just doesn't. You look at the dollars, and that statement just doesn't hold water. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, Will Friend was making Paul Fordenberry type money. I mean, two point four million over a three year deal. I mean, I, I agree. I think it's whatever narrative. I mean, it's, again, it all comes back to the narrative. The narrative of the fans. The narrative of people on campus. The narrative. The narrative. The narrative. And you know, I mean. To, for years, you know, we got we got to back up the Briggs truck. We got to pay for a staff. We got to be able to bring quality assistance. Well, they did back up the money this past time. Philip gave Jeremy everything he could ask for. I'm gonna be interested to see how much money he has for these new openings he has. You know, is is, is he gonna be able to go out and pay a million dollars for a Bo Davis or a million dollars for an offensive line coach? Are we talking? Are we talking John Palermo money, or are we talking? You know, Wilfred money. I think yeah. it's going to be very telling. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you'll learn a lot. You know, if he goes out and he gets Bo Davis at a million dollars a year or nine hundred thousand dollars a year, whatever, then I think you know that that's a good sign. And if and if he's paying three fifty or four, you know, because I mean, think about it. this past time, Brent, he went back and he, you know, he, you know, he he took back some of those bigger salaries like Kevin Sharer and Chris Rump. Like those all of a sudden became you know Shelton Felton at you know half the price, and then. Joe Osaved at, you know, a substantially reduced rate and those type of things. So, you know, you have now Will Friend at $800,000 a year gone. T. Martin 
has been, you know, they've been able to pay him very little, you know, because of the USC deal, whether he's back or not, his, he or his position could command a lot more money. And then, you know, Brian Niedermeyer is making right around $500,000 a year. They're about a little less maybe. And, you know, whether he's back or not, the same thing. Those are two expiring deals, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Those two deals expire on January the 31st. All right. Next question is up. If T's deal isn't renewed, would Jason Simpson get a look there? Question number two, everyone talks about Ty as a potential program changer for UT. For us that haven't seen him play or met him, what traits does he have that makes him that type of guy? And who is the 22 in-state guy that Tennessee can't miss on beyond Simpson and Nolan? And his final question, any early traction with Devin Hyatt and Adarius Redmond in the 23 class? Let's work, let's work bottom up, okay? Let's start in the 23s with Devin Hyatt and Adarius Redmond. Well, yeah, I mean, Tennessee's in play there with both of them. I don't think anybody's close. And as long as Jalen's here and, and, and you know, doing good things, then Tennessee's going to have a real good shot at Devin because the family's going to be here every weekend. And, and it just as simple as that. Um, you know, Darius Redmond's from Knoxville. You know, um, he's got to get healthy. He was injured this past year and, and then no camps. I, you know, he goes up there and balls at camps this summer. He's going to just continue to add to his offer list. Next question. All right. Uh, who is the 22 in-state guy beyond Simpson and Nolan that, that is a must-get in your mind for Tennessee? Man, that's tough because there's I could name a bunch of them. I mean, I really do. I mean, I think they, you know, we, you wrote it. We've got to continue to, and I'm going to continue to hammer the point. Tennessee's got to land a bunch of these guys. Um, I'm going to throw one out there, Austin, because you, you know this better than me, but I'm going to throw one and you can bounce back to me and tell me I'm crazy, which I mean, I am most of the time. And you tell me that a lot of the times anyway, uh, but I'm going to throw out Dallin Hayden because I think one Dallin is a good athlete. He proved that this year as a running back. He can be 2000 yards, more than one position. And he has ties and relationships to guys in West Tennessee that can marry some things together. I'm not saying Dallin Hayden means you sweep or you get everybody, but I think he could be a guy. I do think kids gravitate towards them, yes. I think that's his personality. So I'm going to go Dallin Hayden. I know that maybe sounds crazy because maybe maybe like a a Jordan James or an Isaiah Horton, maybe there's some guys that people say, well, he's a better prospect. But I think that what Dallin Hayden can bring to the table, I'm going to throw him out there as my guy. Bring you a lot of unofficial visitors. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, for a kid that, you know, and I love to joke with him, he's always like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And he's always just so reserved. I mean, kids do gravitate towards him. He's got a personality when he's around his peers. And so I I agree. I think getting Dallin in the boat would be, uh, you know, a smart move. Hey, at the end of the day, though, you know, Ohio State and Notre Dame, they're both in the college football playoff. They have recruited that kid as hard as anybody the last few months. And I know everybody wants to go, well, he's Aaron's kid. I mean, it's, you know, he can't. But, again, the kid wants to play running back. So, I think Tennessee's got to show him, yeah, we see him. We will we'll give you a shot at running back. And he's got to believe it. If that and happens, then and they didn't take Chase. Yeah, and they didn't – you're right. They didn't recruit Chase. And Aaron Hayden is not going to make his kid go somewhere. He is going but, to be all in for his kid wherever he wants to go. They didn't recruit Chase. That was another staff. That's so I think that, 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 you know, you can't lump that in. Yeah, and I, I know Aaron knows that. You can't lump that in. Um, I mean, they, they didn't take him as a transfer. 
Correct, but mostly because they were so full of the position, and they're really still full of that position. I, I think that's why you'll see some guys, you know, moving around. I mean, I, I think Ty's, you know, likely going to transfer, even though he hasn't announced that yet. You know, I think there are candidates to move to defense from the running back position. So, all right, let's go to what? Why? What do you like about Ty Simpson beyond fit? Is it just his physical traits? What do you like about him? As because you've been on, you've said for months he's the most important guy for Tennessee in twenty two. Well, he is. I mean, he's the most important cl- recruit Tennessee's had in the last 10, 15 years. I Whoa. Mean, why? why? You, because you, you never had a quarterback in this state that you've got this kind of relationship with. You know, I've never said he's a lock for the balls, but they're positioned as well as they can be positioned. At the end what? of the day, this year, flat out sucked for Tennessee when it comes to the recruitment of Ty Simpson. You didn't score points. You lost games. But more importantly, you're just not exciting on offense. You know, now – he looks up and Alabama's throwing for a million yards and Clemson's throwing for a million yards in the ACC and, 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 Ohio, and, and even a team like, you know, Ole Miss, who I don't, you know, I don't think even in a sniff for, for Ty Simpson, he looks up and sees them throwing for a million yards too. You know, can, can Tennessee prove to him, we did not, we weren't able to do the same because of our quarterbacks. I think, you know, there's going to be an effort to show him, Hey, Look! Look at you know. Look at this. Look, this is this is what we missed out on not having competent quarterback play, and why we struggled so badly on offense. If we get the right guy, we can put up those points and yards too. So you know, uh, again, I, I I just keep going back to the fact that you know, for me, it, it, arm talent's really really good. Accuracy's phenomenal. It moves really well, but it's his moxie. The kid's yep. got a little. He, he's a, he's a he's a quality kid. But, you know, has a little umph in him when it comes to, like, you know, he has a great belief in himself. Um, and, and I think that just it, kids, will, kids will respond well to him. I think he's got fire. Do, do, you think, do you think his dad's a candidate, potentially? I mean, I think Jeremy's going to look at every avenue, um, you know, if, if he has openings. But right now, the only opening he has is offensive line. And so, you know, I don't he's see not, Jason. Simpson he's not an O line coach. Jason Simpson's not coaching the O line, right. correct? And I don't think he would coach quarterbacks either. I mean, I, would it be impossible for him to coach quarterbacks? No, he could coach quarterbacks, but I don't think that's a smart move because how's he effectively going to go into another quarterback's home and say, <laughs> "I'll give your kid every chance." And that and that mom or daddy believe him when his well, kids in the you room. know Howard Harrison Bailey and Caden Salter not taking everything he says with a grain of salt. Yeah, I mean it's one thing to have him on staff potentially, another thing to um, to have him coaching quarterback. So you know right now Tennessee doesn't have an opening at receivers and they don't have an opening at tight ends, and we're gonna we'll see over the next month if anything even materializes. Do they give T Martin a new contract? Or do they not? All right, Bronco Ball wants to know. Um... How many prospects in state do you see Tennessee, Tennessee potentially signing? I'm going double digits. I think looking at this state, 10's not out of the realm of possibility. That Tennessee should sign. Not saying they will sign. I think there are 10 quality players in this class in the state of Tennessee in 22 that should be a priority for Tennessee. I think there, I think there, I think there's more close to 20 quality prospects yeah. in the state, and 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 you know, 10 should be the bare minimum okay. they sign. You know, okay. I mean, you know, because I mean, you factor in. I think if you can. If you can, you know, get the right guys, all of a sudden, you know, if you get, you know, Dallin and if you get Dallin and Ty, all of a sudden uh, the Vols, I think, are going to get Jordan James um, unless something crazy happens. 
at that point, his teammates, Isaiah Horton, you'll have to work that one. But I think once a bunch of those guys that play seven on seven together start to, you know, if, if they were to like pick Tennessee, I think that they all could kind of fall to the balls, you know? So, I mean, again, I think it all starts with Ty and Dallin and then you work your way out from there. And you could sign 10 for Murfreesboro and Nashville. Is that, is that correct? Is that not? I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, you could you sign a little, probably a little less than 10 from there, but I mean, like, you know, you got Barry on Brown, you got Fisher Anderson, you got the Wade twins over at summit, you know, you, you know, you know, Horton James. I mean, you, you, you continue to look around. I mean, there's, there's some really good players in the state, and they're going to be coveted by a, a lot of good teams. So you, you, you know, can you could about get to ten in the mid state. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you you really could be close. I mean, again, I wrote about this. I mean, the thing I like about the class of twenty two in state is it's not loaded out. It's not overloaded at one position. It's not five safeties, right? It's not four wide, five wide receivers at the top end. I mean, there are offensive linemen, quarterback, running back, receivers, safeties. I mean, it, it's got a lot of depth to it in terms of different types of guys, not all the same type of guy. And yeah. so I, I think that's the one thing that stands out to me. All right, let's roll on here. If Pruitt stays and can turn it around, how many more years do you think he needs to turn it around? Well, I mean, look, um, on that it depends on – I mean, the roster is not complete. They need to continue to build, and you're never – I don't think you're ever, quote, there. I mean, there are a few teams in the country that are there, okay? We saw Florida last night. Florida's not there to where they can lose a handful of guys and things roll on. Alabama's an exception, right? They can lose three or four guys and, and still be okay. So, you know, topping guys. I mean, Jalen Waddle gets hurt. Nobody even remembers he was on the team, Right because they haven't missed anything about him, you know, at all. So there's some programs like that. But, you know, I think to be where everybody wants to be, it, it remains an ongoing process. If Pruitt is fired and we get a head coach with previous experience success, do we go into rebuild mode? If yes, will it be another three to five years? And if not a full rebuild, can he make what we have work next year with better coaching? Long story short, do we have the talent to win at least a few more games, make a bowl game, even if, et cetera, if coaching is better? Yeah, I mean, again, if you go into a normal year, you have four non-conference games. Tennessee plays Pitt next year, and then three games that are, are layover or, or should be, you know, layovers. So, or rollovers. So, I just, to me, they should be four and zero in non-conference play next year. And I get everybody's going to go, well, BYU and Georgia State. Okay, well, I'm going to roll that as the anomaly. They should be four and zero in non-conference play next year. And then, can they do what? Only four Tennessee teams have done since 2007, and that's get at least a 500 in league play. If they do that, then they're eight and four. If not, they're seven and five or six and six. They went they went three and five this year against the teams they were supposed to play. So I would put them seven and five. If they can get to four and four, they're eight and four. You know, the question is: Is when is it good enough? Like I mean, you know, you have to remember, Brown. I mean, this team eight and four. Is there's only two regular seasons since Philip Fulmer was fired where they went eight and four in the regular season, fifteen and sixteen. And sixteen was a massive disappointment. <laughs> and it was correct, correct. And and then fifteen, everybody goes, well, they, you know, they blew all those leads, you know. But I mean, the the point being is, it's just not happened a whole lot. So is eight and four good enough? I mean, I get that's not the the standard. I get that. I get that ball fans want more. But like, if Tennessee went eight and four next year, which is as good of a regular season as they've had. Since Philip Fulmer was fired, since the, the, the SEC championship appearance in 2007, is that is that good enough to say okay, he he has earned a year five, or is eight and four going to go? Oh, 
you know, because at some point, you know, the fans, you know, have to realize that, you know, you got to take a, you got to be able to walk before you can run. And I get it. They've not, they've not won enough. They, this year was a disaster. I understand the angst and, 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 and the, the, the want of some to, to, to move on. But like next year is, is eight and four good enough? Well, and I think it depends on what the eight and four looks, looks like. like and what the expectations are. And, and I, and I'm going to give you two examples of this. Okay. You know, you look at Lane Kiffin's one year here, everybody loved that team. Why? They were, they became explosive on offense, Rob. They got better, right? They, 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 they almost beat Alabama. They beat Georgia. So they beat a couple of teams that were competitive in those games, right? Okay. Then you look at Butch's two eight-win teams, okay? The last one was a total disappointment because they should have won more because it was a really good team. Beat Florida and Georgia. So it depends on, it depends on what kind of eight and four it is. Are you and Lane four? trash talked Irving. Yes, he did. He and he was he was 180 degree opposite of what Tennessee had experienced the 12, 15, whatever previous year. If they could have the eight and four that Butch had in 2015, which is four tough, close losses, you almost beat Alabama, you do beat Georgia, you lost to Oklahoma, you lost to Arkansas. You know, when it, when Butch declined to go forward on fourth and inches at the goal line. Yeah, if you have that season, I have a tough time seeing that Tennessee fans don't at least come around a little and go, okay, I can, I can, we made progress. You know, problem is, is they just want to go zero to 60, you know. Well, everybody does. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's every fan base. You know what I'm saying? I mean, every fan base wants, they want to be Clemson and Alabama tonight or in Ohio State. I mean, they want to be that school tonight. And, and I, I mean, I, I get it. That's, that's what, and, and for Tennessee fans, it's frustrating because they were better than those schools for such a long period of time. You know, yeah, I get it. <laughs> and, 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 and the reality is, as you get further away from it, you probably will, you know what, should have appreciated 45 and five a lot more than what you did. Yeah, no doubt. You know, you know. should have, and, and that's, I'm not being critical of fans. I think that's human nature. While you're in the moment, Rob, you know, you're like, Wow, this is, I mean, a failure. They can't beat Steve Spurrier. Again, I – And don't the, look at it from the big picture of, hey, back the, losing back one game is pretty up. good, you know? Back the, 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 the 16 and 19 record for Jeremy bothers me far less if I'm a Tennessee fan than all the double-digit losses. That's That, to me, is the more concerning of the anything that goes on. The like, lack, that, of, that, the that, lack that, of competitiveness that, against yep, some teams. Yeah, yep, I don't disagree that, with it, that. I mean, because, I mean, let's face it. Most of these games haven't been 10 or 11 or 13. Most of the games against the big three have been 20 plus. Yeah. yeah. So like that to me, that to me is way far more concerning than 16 and 19. Cause again, there is no fast like, to put it in Disney terms. There is no fast pass on the rebuild. You know, there's no going right to the front of the line. And so like, to, to build it back, you've got to wait in line. Problem is, is like, this is like getting on. It's a small world at a 240 minute wait. And everybody's like, I'm waiting in line for that. Well, and Rob, everybody's every Tennessee fan's been in the same line for ten years. Yeah, man, and, and, it's, and, it, and the SEC makes it all the more difficult. I mean, if you if you hit a home run higher in the in the ACC, you can go from ninth. You to can second go zero to six to a little faster. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to beat Clemson, but you can go from ninth to second quickly. Yeah. I mean, the, none of the old timers want to hear it, but the best thing that could happen to the Vols is, is get Alabama off the schedule every year. I mean, like. You're better off to play at uh, an A and M or an Auburn or whoever. I mean, that, that to me, like that—that's the, the the roughest thing that you know 
the you know Tennessee's got going for it is every year you have Alabama, and as long as Nick's there, I mean, like I won't say it. I mean, it has been a loss since two thousand seven, but I mean, like you just you just know that like that's something you're going to have to you know cross and a hurdle you're going to jump over, and and it's really not able. You're not really able to jump over it. All right, let's roll along here. Is Hugh Freeze being blackballed by Greg Sankey in the SEC office? Seems like he may be around at next year's coaching cycle. So you just roll with Pruitt and hire Freeze in 21, Rob Lewis. I think he's being blackballed by all the prostitutes he called on his university issue cell phone while on recruiting trips representing his university and being the highest paid state employee in Mississippi. I don't, yeah, I don't think Greg Sankey's necessarily interested in him being back, but I don't think he's blocking or can block anybody from hiring him. I think Auburn wasn't interested because the NCAA is on their campus. Are they going to hire a guy who's got who's had NCAA problems, you know, and, and recruiting recruiting infractions? And um, at South Carolina, there was no interest there. I don't think I don't think Hugh Freeze had a lot of interest in South Carolina either. And so um, I think that Hugh Freeze is going to be at Liberty next year and. Will will be the hottest name again, or will be the most talked about name again next year. Um, and I think the further you get away from his transgressions, as we talked about in the last podcast, you're not punished for life. But the further you get away from it, then the easier it is for somebody to come back and say, "Hey, he's he's rehabbed. He's ready to go." You know what I'm saying? And and I think that's just, I think that's just natural. Yeah, and 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 I'm not saying the guy that that people don't deserve a second chance. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying I think fans really really drastically underestimate how unpalatable making that hire is to somebody who is a university president. Yep. Can, second part of that question, can you discuss in-state recruiting misses the past few years and then the upcoming 22 class? Can't keep going after London, Mims, Nylon Green, uh, and other in-state, over in-state guys, then missing on both. Foundation for Vols' best teams have a core of Tennessee blood. We simply aren't beating Georgia, Bama, and Clemson for their own guys right now. I, 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 agree I wrote. I wrote this. You got to have a core of twenty. You know that's why the twenty-two class is so important. You got. You got to win in the state of Tennessee, because Austin. It is hard to go to Atlanta and say, "Hey, we're going to pull seven kids out of there, and we're going to take guys that Georgia wants." Okay, or it's hard to say we're going to Alabama and take guys away from. You know, you might get a guy. You can get some, but you're not going to blanket get a bunch of guys out of there. Um, and it's a different you time. You sprinkle. But to me, the sprinkle you know, absolutely sprinkle. I love analogy. So, uh-oh, are we going the back big to bowl ice cream is the Tennessee is the Tennessee nucleus. Keep the kids in state. That's the big bowl ice cream. Then you just, you put your toppings, the sprinkles and your, your 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 Oreos or whatever. That's the kids from North Carolina, Virginia, Georgia, Alabama. So I agree. I mean, wholeheartedly. I mean, there are some years that are better than others. But to me, Tennessee can't just blanket miss on the state of Tennessee like they did this year. I mean, like, you know, they, they chose not to go after some of those kids. And then others, you know, they just couldn't win out in. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, Tennessee's got to be way more of a a a, uh, a player in, this, in their own state. And I know they want to be in 22, but I think they need to be every year. I agree. I agree. I, I, think, that, I think that they have to prioritize Tennessee more than they have on a consistent basis. Um, all right, C.D. Vaughn wants to know, do you think Pruitt got humbled this past season? Do you think he will reevaluate how he looks at doing certain things, such as playing young players, sticking with one quarterback, sticking with a set five on the offensive line, simplifying his defense so players can play faster, delegating more, et cetera? Look, this is a real simple answer for me. If you're not self-evaluating your, what you do at the end of every year, at the end of every season, 
then you're not doing a very good job. Okay. And I don't care if you're a football coach. I don't care if you're an administrator. I don't care if you're in business. You know, we, we sit here and we'll talk about and, and, and visit about what we did well in covering this team this year, content wise, and what we didn't do well. You know, if you line up and say, hey, let's pull out the calendar from last year and do the same 12 things, then you're, you're not growing. Okay. You're not, you're not, you're not improving. You've got to always be evolving. So I don't, I would hope Jeremy Pruitt didn't need to get humbled to do that. I would think that would be a part of the self-evaluation. Should he be humbled after going three and seven and, and be taking a close look at a lot of things in the mirror? He better be right. I mean, I think that's simple. Am I wrong? I guess not. No, I mean, I, I think you're wrong. <laughs> three and seven at this point, and, and, as, and as AP mentioned, it's not just three and seven. It's it's the double digit losses where you're where you're not close to you know, the the programs that that hard school fans and and people that donate money to the, this university want to be want to beat Georgia, see, Alabama, Florida. See the and, and of course that's a, a double edged sword because you know. People get mad when you lose by 20, but then if you lose by six, then everybody goes, oh, I'm losing moral victories. <laughs> I mean, like, it, it, like, you really can't, you really can't win. You either win or you lose. Well, and it, it really is, it's pretty simple in that regard, even though really, you know, there are different ways to lose. There are different well, ways to compete and, 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 you know, find out how you're doing. I mean, like Alabama, they just don't lose games in this league. So if you can hang around with them, which has been very rare, and when Tennessee's done it, it happened, ironically, has been in Tuscaloosa. Then to me, that's uh, then that that shows growth. I, I think what rankled so many people this year was when I mean, and, and he got baited into it by by a reporter. But but when he like emphatically came out swinging about we were closing the gap, and when the scoreboard against your all three of your your biggest rivals emphatically said that was not the case. I mean, I think that hurt. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. All right, let's roll on here. Best guess on a time frame for the internal investigation to be completed. Would it be safe to say that everyone is confident nothing major will surface from it? And then also chances with following assistants joining Tennessee staff. Montario Hardesty, Marion Hobby, or Bo Davis on the defensive line. Do you see Todd Watson promoted to the defensive staff? I don't see Todd Watson being promoted. Bo Davis is going to be coveted by some people, including Tennessee. I don't see I don't, Marion Hobby is going to be looking for a job. I think he's going to stay in the NFL. I don't know. If, I don't know about Montario. That's an interesting one. There um, is he ready for an SEC job? I think Montario is an up and coming guy, um, and, and is a is a coach. But I don't know. He's in a pretty good spot with Will Healy, who's going to be somewhere else sooner rather than later. But he would be a name I think that everybody would wonder about if if there was an opening at the receiver spot as well. As for the investigation, I don't have a timeline. And I'm not going to sit here and say emphatically that there's nothing going to come of it. So I'll echo that. Yeah. So we'll roll on to the next question. When guys enter the opt to enter the portal, do most of them have in-depth conversations with the staff before pulling the trigger to do so? Does the university have to sign off in order for a player to enter the portal? Does the university try to find landing spots for transfers? Just, just curious. They they do have. In, in, in 95% of the instances, they have in-depth conversations with the kids before they enter the portal. Most of the kids come to the coaches and say, look, I'm thinking about going in the portal. Coaches will either understand or they'll try to talk them out of it <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and give them reasons why they shouldn't enter the portal. 
um, you, you don't have to be approved by the university to my knowledge. I think it's just, it's literally contacting compliance and saying, I'd like to be placed in the transfer portal. And then what was the last question? Does Tennessee, do, do schools try to help guys get play, land places? Sometimes. Yeah. I, I, think, I think in most instances they do, um, you know, if they can, you know, because, you know, it, it, especially if the kid's going down. Like, look, okay, do you think, you think LSU's going to help Eric Gilbert find a place to play? No. But do you think if, if a kid at LSU is going to, you know, go down to, you know, maybe state, state yeah. then, yeah, they're going to make the calls for those kids. All right, uh, reading the re- reading the tea leaves, it feels like their momentum, the momentum behind Pruitt staying on staff or staying here for next season, it feels like there's momentum for there. If that is indeed the case, how do you think it will be communicated to the fans? Are we uh, are were Doug Matthews' comments the closest we will get to confirmation of his return? Interesting. Does the chancellor say something, or is Jeremy Pruitt make a couple of coaching hires and kind of roll on about it? I, I, I think, think she should I, say something personally. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, you watch her Twitter, Brent, and she's tweeting about the basketball team. She didn't really tweet about the football team, especially when they beat Vanderbilt. So, you know, I mean, not that that's a signifying mark that, you know, how she feels. I'm just saying, like, you know, if you come out and, and you say something positive about Jeremy Pruitt and the football team, even if it's in a tweet, then to me, like, that signifies you're behind Jeremy Pruitt, you know. Investigation. Um, Investigation. I mean, I mean, once then, I mean, if the investigation is done, then I think you got to come out and say something. I agree with that. I agree with that. Once it's done. But I I don't think there's any way she says anything before that. No, 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 no. I I totally agree. I mean, you know, the the investigation, what it turns up will determine, you know, what happens with with Jeremy Pruitt, I I believe. Uh, So she's not going to say anything now. uh, But again, we've reached out to her to see if she wants to comment on timetable and where the investigation is. And she has not responded and, and her staff has not responded at this point in time. Don't know that they will, but trying to get an update on where that's at, because that's what you're supposed to do. And that's what everybody wants to know. So we'll see. All right, let's go a little bigger picture of college football here. This is from Smokey and the Bandit. Would love to get your all's thoughts on the college football playoff and whether it's been good for college football. What changes would you make? Keep the same, include, increase the number of teams back to the BCS. In my opinion, it feels like it's created even less parity in the game in both on-field results and in the recruiting landscape. Thoughts on the, thoughts on the playoffs? More teams, less teams? I think the playoff is responsible for, you know, creating less parity. I think Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney are, are responsible. I think it's both. I think it's both. I mean, I think you're right, but I also think that, like, you know, the way it's set up with only four teams that inevitably, for what you're saying, you end up with the same kind of group of four teams. I mean, it's really been – Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, and then a rotation of Oklahoma. Michigan State made it for a year. Washington made it for a year. Um, you know, Georgia made it for a year. I, Notre Dame's now this year. So, I mean, I think they need to expand to eight. I think that would be good for college football because more teams in, better chance that you have one of those teams five through eight upset one of those other teams um, and, and, and then make a little bit of a run. I mean, I, 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 I do not think it needs to be eight because I think you're going to see two blowouts on Friday. And, I mean, I think, you, I think you get two mismatches in a four-team playoff. So you're saying a bye for or well, the first two seeds and having five and, and adding five and six? Yeah, I just I – wouldn't, I wouldn't make it eight. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. But, I, I, I mean, Clemson, the ACC is so trash. 
that Clemson and way Dabo has it going there. I mean, they're in, and no, I mean, Alabama is an anomaly. Nobody's ever dominated this this league the way Nick has. And I, it, once he's gone, which he's got to be in the next five years, I, I, I don't see that continuing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it is it is a little stale because it is the same teams, but I, I'm whether you have eight teams, whether you have six teams, whether you go back to another you know direction or in some ways, I think you're still going to have the same core of teams up there. And, and what's unusual about this is what you're saying, Rob. We're, we've had a couple teams up there, Alabama in particular, that's just got up there and stayed. You know, Nebraska had their run, and they were in it every year for – what, three or four years, five years, but then it changed. Nobody's been able to stay in it the way that Alabama has been able to stay in it. Eight regular season losses in 10 years for Nick Saban, uh, which, which is it's just It's in the toughest crazy. conference in college football. Yeah, it's just crazy. Um, Austin, can a coach contact a player on another team without that player having gone into the portal? No. Also, is the selecting coach obligated to contact a player's present coach? Once a no. kid goes in the in the portal, you don't have to con. I mean, no, it's fair game. It's fair game at, at that, that point. point. At that point, it's fair game. But and you're not supposed to have any contacts. Correct. Like so, let's say, like I told, like I, like I said, you know, it, would Tennessee be a player for Eric Gilbert if he goes into the portal? I do believe they would. But do I think they'd land him? Yeah, I think that's a different deal. But do I think they'd be a player? Sure, I do. I think. But if he goes into the portal, Tennessee would 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 be a player. Uh, but he's not in the portal yet. So, and. That's kind of where that thing is. And, and, and I think that's where a lot of these kids are. Cause I think, you know, you know, I think they're one waiting to see like, when's the one-time transfer going to go into effect, you know, you know, I mean, they've, they've passed it, but you know, is it going to be sanctioned by this league? To me, like that changes a lot of things. Like if you're Eric Gilbert, you're going to go to Georgia, Alabama, or Tennessee. If, if you can't transfer school to school in this league, or you go go LSU to Clemson. Right. Well, it's a good point. I, I do say this. I mean, there can be some third-party conversations, right? I mean, a, a kid – you talk to a kid's high school coach, you know, about his future kids, future players, and if he happens to bring up a kid. I mean, I think some of that happens from from time to time um, with, with this stuff. So, I mean, some of these kids go into the portal with an idea – pretty good idea of where they're going. Well, I mean, like, you know, we, we, let's we continue to use Eric Gilbert as an example. You know, it, it's totally legal for Harrison Bailey to have a conversation and, and kind of find out where his head's at and then go and tell Jeremy Pruitt, hey, think, I think he's going to go to Alabama. Or, you know, I think he'd have some interest here, you know. you know. So, I mean, like, that's totally legal for, for Harrison Bailey to have contact with, with Eric Gilbert, just not Jeremy Pruitt or any of the staff. Do you think the guys will kick the tires on quarterbacks like Helensky or Bentley? Both have proven they can play at this no. level. I don't think so no. either. Uh-huh. Helensky's buddies with Brian Maurer, and I just don't see that. Yeah, I don't see that. And Bentley's jumped around a couple of different places. Yeah. I, I don't see that. I don't see either one of those guys in the SEC. Am I the only one that thinks COVID-19 had a huge impact on this team? If you go back and watch the first half of the Georgia game, it's not the same team that played against Kentucky. It's almost like the light came on and they realized they were being forced to play due to TV contracts. Remove ESPN from the equation, then there would not have been a season. COVID affected everyone. But did it, did it did not affect everyone equally. I don't think Tennessee decided at the half at Georgia, hey, we don't want to play. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, just, I don't think I they don't, go. No. I don't think they were, they were like, wait a minute. Yeah, wait we're a minute. having to play. TV now, contracts. Now, I, I think there's some players who aren't interested in playing in bowl games, okay, that are ready for – in a meaningless bowl game. I, I do think that. But I don't think anybody said in the middle of the season, what the crap are we doing out here? Let's not 
let's not even try down the stretch. Well, let's COVID's not, not the reason Tennessee lost six in a row. Right. Terrible quarterback play, the inability to, admit, to defend the middle of the field, those type of things. Now, as part of the as part of the equation to winning chemistry, a hundred percent was the chemistry on this team like it was on last year's team. No, not even close. I think COVID had an impact on that, which I think can affect how players play and potentially affect a game or so, because this team was never uh, that close because they practiced and then they went right back to their to their little cubbyhole, their dorm room or their apartment, and they didn't like have a lot of team functions. There was not a lot of team bonding. I've talked to enough people to know, um, you know, that that was a that was a real thing. Um, what's this team's identity when looking at other teams during the bowl season, you sort of know what they're good at on offense, defense, what specifically is Tennessee good at? I don't think they had an offensive identity. I wrote that all season long. I don't think that's the, I I just don't think they had one defensively. Um, we know what they want to do. We know what the system is. We see it every week in the sec. We saw it, it, it being effective a year ago when Tennessee won close games. Uh, they didn't execute their system, okay? They, they struggled at the star position. They struggled in the middle of the field in coverage. They did not get after the pass, the quarterback. Um, so uh, defensively, you know what they want to be. They just weren't able to do that uh, when it was all said and done. All right, a couple more, and then we're out the gate here on the mailbag edition of the podcast. Um, we're going to work first, on your rhyming skills. A couple more out the door. A couple more. Okay, so you mean rap? I mean, what are you looking for here? All right, here we go. Um, heard not heard Walter Nolan is at IMG now. Is that right, AP? I've not heard that. I've not heard that either. Uh, any clue what seniors are returning? Um, I don't know where Matthew Butler's at. Um, I bet Vailus Jones returns. I, I have a, I have a um, you know, I, I think that he would be, um, I, I think he would return. Um, but I don't know about some of the rest of the seniors. I think Matthew Butler is an important one that Tennessee would like to have back. Um, Cade Austin, I get the feeling he's probably going to, he's, he's going to go if he feels like his number is going to be decent enough in terms of draft draft status. What do you think on Cade? I think Cade's going to be back. And that's going to be back. Yeah. Okay. That would be a big get for Tennessee. Obviously. Did you just say he was going to be gone? Yeah. I thought he was going to be gone. I think he's going to be back. Okay. That's my opinion. All right. Been wrong though before. Never sure have I. Plenty of times. Um, all right, a couple more questions from uh, from this guy here. Would the Bama online boss be making a such a huge deal about the internal investigation that would like that will likely net minimal penalties, if any? And how quick would you get run out of Tuscaloosa, Baton Rouge, uh, Athens, Startville, Auburn, College Station, the regulars for making such a huge deal out of it? I don't know that I'm making a huge deal out of it. Is, is there been the a, fact, has there been a, anything on the, our front page? I mean, other the, than the fact that everybody everybody wants to know what Jeremy Pruitt's status is, and I think it centers around whether or not something comes out of this investigation. What a ridiculous question. How, how, uh, many, story, how many stories have we written about the investigation? <laughs> does, does it, I, I haven't written one, AP. I don't think you have. Hover, I don't, I don't think no, we, we, we just We've talked about it on podcasts or on a message board. I answered the question and it's something you have to talk about. I mean, like there is an active investigation. So, I mean, like that doesn't mean, I mean, again, as I said, the day that it happened, guys, guess what? There's an internal investigation on your campus every year. And there's an internal investigation on Georgia's campus every year. You just don't know about it. And there's the difference. Georgia, Florida just sanctioned penalties and nobody knew it was coming. Absolutely. They did. Uh, what positions do you see the Twins from Summit High playing in college, the Wade Twins? I think linebacker, 
one's a linebacker. The other one wants to play quarterback. If he's not a quarterback, I think he'd be a heck of a safety. Thoughts on Pope wanting to be the guy at tight end? He's a senior. He wants more opportunities to catch passes. I think the question for him in the transfer portal, how many people trust the back from a, from a health standpoint? Back somebody, and it, Yeah, go ahead. Is somebody going to take a chance on giving up a spot, okay, a, a, an initial for him with the uncertainty around the back? I think that's going to be the problem. And I like Austin Pope. I think, I think Tennessee missed him this past year. But I don't know how many schools are going to be willing to take that chance there. Yeah, and, and what, what is he, what's he wanting out of this? Is he wanting to try to go to another Power Five? Or does he try to go play for Butch at Arkansas State? Or does he, you know, does he go to some pass-happy offense where he knows he's going to catch a bunch of balls, but it's at a lower level? I mean, I, you know what I mean? Is it, is it about catching passes? Is it about playing for a championship? Is it about – I mean, you know, I never would have thought Eli Wolf could end up at Georgia, but yet he did. So – also wants to know about any defensive backs potentially coming in transfer wise. I, I think Tennessee would like to look at Jamie Robinson, right? AP, there's some there's some ties there. The, the kid from from yeah, South I mean, there's, Carolina. There's, there's there's ties because of uh, Shelton Felton, and, and uh, the notion is he's probably gonna go wherever T. Rob goes. You know, so yeah, we'll see. You know, and and I, I I mean they clearly want one in the transfer portal. No question about that. All right, last mailbag question here. What are your guys' impressions of Tyler Barron in year one? Do you think he will develop into more of a pass rusher or a solid five technique? What are your thoughts on uh, Barron, Rob, uh, as a freshman? I think I think five technique. I mean, I, mean, I think he's going to be a really good player, like a really good player. But I, don't, I just don't see the burst or the explosion that makes me think he's going to be a, you know, a big-time pass rusher. I mean, what do you guys think? I agree. I, I mean, I, I won't say big time pass rusher. I, I think that the verdict's still out on that, but I do agree that I think he's more likely a five technique. Yeah. And I thought he had a nice year. I, I thought he was an really? instinctive yeah. football player. I was impressed with his instincts. He clearly was a guy who didn't just out, you know, out muscle somebody in high school or just run around somebody in high school. I mean, he's got, he knows how to use his hands. He's got a lot of skill and a lot of football technique about him. I, I was impressed. With, with what his game looked like. And I don't, I don't mean that as a negative. I just don't right. see him as a, you know, the, the, like, the, you know, the Ojolari. I don't see that kind of quick twitch from him. i tell you who, I mean, I think he's a better version of, uh, who's the kid from Chattanooga, Hubbard? Jason Hall? Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's a, I think he's a better version of that. Okay. Um, as we go out the door here, playoffs, you got two blowouts coming, Rob? I do, personally. I mean, certainly one. I, w- I was surprised that uh, what's I saw the Clemson the Clemson line is this seven or so I, I was surprised by that Alabama's third by twenty and I I think that sounds about right if not a little low but I I mean Clemson walked up Ohio State last year I don't really I mean I they lost some guys on defense Simmons in particular but I I, I have a hard time seeing that with being close. All right, and lastly for you, Rob, Tennessee plays basketball on Saturday against Alabama at home in their SEC opener. Um, any concerns there for Tennessee with the Tide? I mean, I, I think Alabama's been a disappointment. I mean, Kentucky takes all the ink for, for being <laughs> just a disaster in the SEC because they're one and six. But, I mean, Alabama's five and three, got bl- just blown out by Stanford. Barely beat Furman at home. And, you know, Furman's a good team, but they're also, you know, Southern Conference. And, and Bama brought some guys back. I thought they would be a lot better. I mean, Bama could play, but, I, I mean, I just, you know, anybody that's reading the message board knows that I, I, I'm pretty high on this basketball team. Is that game on the road? No, no it's here. Okay, yeah. T- 
Tennessee's gonna roll. It was yeah, at I, Coleman. Balls have never balls struggle at Coleman Coliseum. It's it's a pit. It's a black hole. <laughs> and, it's, and it's been a black hole for Tennessee for sure. I mean, I mean, just the, the feeling of it when you walk well, in. It's a, it's, it's a, it sucks your soul. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're a Tennessee fan, enjoy the heck out of this basketball team, and don't get don't don't look to April. Enjoy the ride to April because this is a fun team to watch. That's only going to get better. They were certainly fun to watch against Missouri on Tuesday night. That's going to or Wednesday night. That's going to do it for this edition of the Mailbag Podcast, presented by our friends at Blue Water Climate Control. Don't forget about their guaranteed heating tune-ups taking place in January and February. No heater repairs through March 31st, or they'll give you a 50% discount off of the price of the repair. Certain restrictions do apply. You can book online for a special price. Check them out at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. Uh, savings, if you book online for them, they'll take care of all of your heating and air needs. Again, that's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. I want to wish everybody a happy new year. For Rob Lewis and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubs. Have a great New Year's Eve, everybody. Uh,